Let us come to God in prayer. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Of all the seasons in our year, Christmas time is probably the one that has the most traditions, is it not? More than Easter, more than birthdays or anniversaries, how we expect Christmas to go has so many expectations of what will happen and when it will happen. You may have set ideas about who should go down first on the morning and see if the presents have arrived. You may have a tradition about who or when the presents are opened or what should be worn on Christmas Day. Then there's the issue of when you eat Christmas dinner. Uh, I wonder if you're willing to participate in a quick survey by a show of hands. Who is in the noon to two o'clock category? When is, do you eat lunch around about that time, anybody? Oh, a smattering of hands. Are you in the two to four o'clock kind of age bracket? Who's in there? A more popular option, as I expect. Who's four o'clock or after? I don't understand you people. <laughs> How can you wait for so long? Oh, no way. Well, um, we have, uh, in our family, we've had just about fights over this in previous years. Uh, we normally eat about two o'clock. And one year, my sister, uh, middle sister, had said, oh, could we push it back a little bit? I want to see the in-laws and I want the kids to be awake. Like, these are important reasons. Or, to push back Christmas dinner, but apparently I had to adjust, even though my youngest sister and I just about had a heart attack, and we settled on 2.30, because sometimes, <laughs> it wasn't three, because sometimes our set ideas on Christmas have to change, just because, and just like so many of our other set ideas need to change as well. Our reading today from Luke's Gospel is a familiar one to many of us. The angel Gabriel comes with a message from God to Mary about the upcoming birth of Jesus. And even this early into Advent, I have told this story a number of times up at Wallace Stone or in other spheres. So it's easy to gloss over the dynamics of this event and to reduce it down to something nice and familiar. But in all honesty, it isn't really a nice, comfortable story. It's quite unsettling because Mary and Joseph are engaged. They have their plan, their set ideas for how life will work out. I wonder, were they buzzing with excitement about the, the upcoming wedding? And was Joseph busy building the house that they would live in? And was Mary discussing with her friends, oh, I got married, to, I'm engaged to Joseph, this is amazing. And what the wedding day would be like and what marriage would be like and whether children might come along, you know, one day. And then suddenly out of the blue, they are asked to change their set ideas for how life will go. Gabriel arrives with that pivotal message from God that he wants to involve Mary and Joseph in his plans for the whole world. But that message from God is a challenging invitation. Mary is asked to carry a child, a baby, that will be called the Son of God, a baby that will be given the throne of David by the Lord God. And this baby 
will reign over a kingdom that will be eternal and all-encompassing. This message from God is a really, really big ask. This message is going to thoroughly upend Mary and Joseph's plans for their future. What's more, this invitation from God is going to result in Mary and Joseph facing scandal and humiliation probably for the rest of their lives because everyone will know Mary was pregnant before the wedding day and everyone will know she announced her pregnancy after being away from Joseph for three months. That's going to raise some questions about the father. Their set ideas for life will forever be replaced if they accept this invitation from God. So this story is actually no nice, comfortable story. Sure, we let the kids think that, but in reality, it's both gut-wrenching and awe-inspiring that in the midst of a cosmic story about how God will set the world right through the coming Messiah, His Son, we find the most moving invitation. And like I was saying last week, on every page of Scripture, we are invited to consider how the, co the cosmic story of what God was up to in the world brings us an invitation for today as well. So let me ask you this. What has God been saying to you recently, this past year? We're counting down to Christmas. We're effectively counting down to the end of another year. What has God been saying to you? The Christmas story clearly shows that, that God is the living, ever-present God. And as such, He is frequently inviting us into His plans and purposes. He might have spoken to you during a church service, at least hopefully, or a conversation with a friend, or something you've read, or the, something you've experienced in recent months. But be assured, God has been speaking to you. And if we have been attentive, then we, we might have heard what He has been trying to whisper to our hearts. So what has God been speaking to you about? What has been His message to you this past year? Or what about us as a congregation? Amidst the change, amidst the uncertainty of the future, what has God been saying to us collectively? What has been the encouragement? What has been the challenge? What has God by His Spirit been impressing upon us as a congregation? Now, I realize I'm putting you on the spot with those questions. I don't expect an answer by the time I see you at the door. But maybe in these final weeks of the year, amidst all the craziness that this season now brings, maybe we can take a moment to ponder the Christmas message afresh and the encouragement the challenge, the invitation that God gives and think, what has God been saying to me and to us? Now, you might have something you want to share on that, maybe something for us as a congregation. And, and if you do, then please come speak with me or speak to one of our team conveners. You saw their video a couple of weeks on Guild Sunday and, and any of us 
We'll be happy to hear from you and, and pass that back along up to the Kirk session. Now, as we ponder God's invitation to us and find Him challenging maybe our set ideas for our individual and collective lives, then we'll likely be faced with a choice akin to Mary's. So, how did Mary respond? She said in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. In other passages, we see how Joseph reacts, and the end product is much the same. In both Mary and Joseph, we see an openness to the invitation of God, a trust in His plans and power. They both evidence an open trust in God, an open trust in the invitation of God to be part of His plans and purposes for the world. This couple show an open trust such that they are willing to set aside their set ideas for life and embrace a new life from God. And once again, we're invited to consider how the divine story affects our story. God has been speaking to you this year. He has been whispering a particular message to you. And the question is, in this moment of choice, how will you respond? Will we take up God's invitation to a life we never expected? Will we respond like Mary? But what's astounding in Mary's choice is, as I say, this is no nice, simple invitation. This isn't God saying, oh, would you like a baby, Mary? Because by saying yes to this, saying yes to God's invitation, she is saying yes to ridicule and contempt for the rest of her life, and to gossip, because every time has gossip, there would be gossip about her. And she knowingly, in the face of that, still says, yes. She still says, may your word to me be fulfilled. It has to be one of the most courageous things ever said to sign up to something that will bring heartache, even suffering. Her openness to pay such a price, even to lose happiness, to lose something she valued. There's part of me that just can't get my head around that. To say yes to that particular invitation, I just find it so inspiring. So, in comparison to that choice, are the things that God is asking of us quite so hard? In light of Mary's example, can we really still keep making the excuse of putting it off and saying no? Or is it time to embrace God's invitation, no matter how much it might change our set ideas not only for Christmas, but for our lives. And I could give you any number of examples from my own life, either in this past year or in years past, where I have chosen not to go with that invitation. I have made the wrong choice. I was unprepared to pay the cost. But in every one, 
I wish that I had. There's that nudge from God to spend time with him. Because when I didn't, I grew weary of soul and hope dimmed and perspective blurred and I got my priorities wrong. Or there's that challenge from God quite frequently, I'm sad to say, where how I parent or how I treat my wife needs to improve. And then I need to apologize, I seek his wisdom and, and commit to a different way of life, all because I keep ignoring him. Or there's the invitation to step out in faith, maybe to share my faith with someone who's not at church, maybe even someone who is at church. I still get scared with that. And then you miss the opportunity and it never comes up again. Friends, God has been speaking to you. It might be in your home life. It might be in your relationship with him. It might be in how he wants you to play a part in this congregation and in his purposes. And he's been communicating it through his word or through his people, by his spirit or in the circumstances of life. And if we have been attentive, we might have heard his invitation. But now the question is, what will we do about it? How will we respond? Will it be like Mary with an open trust? One final observation about Mary's story. After Mary trusts God's invitation, it leads her on to sing a wonderful song which begins with these words in 46 and 47. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Some time has passed since that initial visit from the angel, and Mary has had time to dwell upon and, and maybe experience some of what her choice led to. Yet it feels like there's a change in dynamics between these two times. Before, with the angel, Mary's response seems quite muted, does it not? Not necessarily grudging, because she trusts, but maybe a little uncertainty because of all that is going to happen. Yet now, with Elizabeth, after time has passed, the tone feels different. There's a different feel to Mary. The trust is still clearly there, but now we see a joy spilling over. Joy that leads to a song, a song that will be written about, which will inspire music and drama in generations to come. God brought the invitation. Mary responded with open trust, and in time, joy came and an impact on future generations as well. Friends, individually and collectively, God has brought His invitation to us this year. It could be a costly invitation, maybe not to the extent of Mary's, but it still could be costly to you. And as I've said, you've then got a choice of how you will respond. Will we respond with open trust? Because it's only when we trust and follow where he leads that we can then know the joy and the impact that was Mary's. It's only then that it can become ours as well. Now, God doesn't promise an easy life. He doesn't promise that when we respond with open trust that the invitation won't lead to unanswered questions or it won't involve a cost. After all, as we've said, Mary went on to experience hardship, but even before and after that, even before the cross, 
And after Jesus was born, she still lost a husband before Jesus was 30. She still worried about what her grown-up son was doing when he started his ministry. She is called blessed by the angel, yet she still knew hardship. But she also knew joy. She knew joy. And one day that joy would forever remain with her as she realized what this invitation had led to, that her son was no ordinary son. Her son was the Savior of the world. And she would come, as we see in the Acts of the Apostles, she would come to place her trust in Jesus, to trust in Him and in His invitation. And by doing that, she found a joy that could never be taken from her. Friends, God issues His invitation, His invitation to a life you could never dream nor imagine, both individually and collectively. He is speaking, has spoken, and if we are to share the joy of Mary, then we too must respond with open trust and make room for the Christ child just as Mary made room for Him as well. But let's for a moment think about the impact that her song also had. Because I, I reckon as a congregation, we would love to see an impact upon our community, upon our parish. We would love to see future generations come to own the Christian faith and see Jesus as He truly is. But when I was on placements, it became clear, sadly, at times that, that so few people could share what the Christian faith meant to them beyond coming to church or doing a job at church. We might say there was little testimony of what God had done, of how His invitation had changed our life, even if it was brought some degree of hardship. How, how has your character changed? How has your lifestyle changed? What have you seen God do through you, in you, amongst you? Trying to find those stories was really hard on placement. And I don't know all your stories yet, but I hope we have some here. Because the reason for raising this is that today's generation don't care. They don't care. They are not going to read this book most of the time. And when they do, they, they just don't care because it seems like words on a page. But when you can combine those words with your story of how it has changed your life, then that's a whole different situation. Because testimony comes from a root word that means, God, do it again. Do it again. Where we yearn to see that happen again. And so, if you share your story of how you've come to faith or how your journey with God in faith has done X, Y, and Z, it then opens the door in someone's expectations to see it happen again. So, what is the story you can share? And if you can't share beyond church being about coming to church or doing a job in church, what does that 
suggest? I'm going to raise the question, not give you the answer. If we want to see a joy and an impact like Mary had, we must respond in trust, individually and collectively. And it always begins with this question, have you accepted Jesus? Have you made room for him in your life? Because you can't talk and you really probably will experience very little of God if you haven't done this first. If you haven't accepted Jesus and made room for him in your life. And I've asked that a number of times since coming here. I'm going to keep asking it because we might have a guest and they've maybe not been asked the question. Or I have heard at least a couple of stories now of people who have been to church for decades and have been a church member for decades, but they hadn't done this. Now, I'm not saying that that's you. I'm just saying that happens. And so we need to ask the question from time to time, have you accepted Jesus? Have you made room for him in your life? And just because you come to church and just because you might be a member, doesn't mean you've done it. Because lots of people can testify that they haven't accepted Jesus, but they've ticked the other two boxes. And the journey of faith has to involve the step somewhere, sometime. You might say, well, well, how do I know? How do I know? You'll probably know, but let's just go back to, to Mary's words, and not the greatest color. She said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Can you really say that of Jesus? Can you say it in here? Is he real to you? Is, his relation, is your relationship with him so real that in the depth of your being, your soul glories in God and rejoices in him? Now, our, our faith goes up and down, but there will be a nugget there. Can, do you have that nugget? Or Mary says elsewhere, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Is our heart for the Lord's kingdom and the Lord's priorities, for the Lord's will and word to be fulfilled. Because if our attitude to Jesus is, he's all right on a Sunday, and the rest of the week you ignore him, maybe you've got some room still to make. Or if his will is not what you aspire to live out, again, maybe you've got some room to make for Jesus. And if your core identity is not as a child of God. Again, maybe you've got some room to make for Jesus. So this Christmas time, he once again extends his invitation through his word. Will you make room for him? Will you accept Jesus? Will you accept the invitation, whatever he's been saying, 
Not to an easy life, because to be quite honest, if you take up his invitation, it'll probably lead to a difficult life. But we'll never know the joy of the Lord. And we'll never know an impact upon future generations if we do not respond with open trust. If we keep Jesus at arm's length. And my hope, friends, is that this year we will just open the floodgates and say, Jesus, come in. Come in, Jesus, to my life. Come into our life as a church. Whatever it may be, we will set, put down, lay down our set ideas because we trust you. And we want to take up your invitation to a life, to a joy, to an impact we can never imagine. That's my prayer. So let us pray. I want to give you a moment in the quiet to think what's God been saying? What's he been saying to you today? What's he been saying to you recently? What is his invitation been to you? And I wonder if there's any today that need to accept that invitation of Jesus for the very first time. To say, Jesus, you're welcome in my life. I want you as my Lord and Savior. I need your help. whatever the invitation is, why don't you just in the quiet of your heart and mind speak to him of that and give him that open door. Welcome him in. Welcome him in. Lord Jesus, we hear your invitation. Your invitation to relationship. Your invitation to quite possibly the scariest adventure. But an invitation to life. A life we can never dream nor imagine. Lord, give us faith to respond. Give us faith to, to trust that next step. Help us to be open to you and lead us where, wherever you will. For we trust you. We see your love and your goodness 
not only at Christmas, but at Calvary as well. And so we say, lead on, Lord Jesus. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life, in our life, as it is in heaven. For we say as Mary did, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. May your word to me be fulfilled. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all glory now and forever. Amen.